I would like to welcome you to Dynamic Web Church today. I believe you're going to be blessed in this Sunday's message. You're going to be touched by God's unconditional love and established in how much God loves you. I would like you to listen to the whole service today. Maybe you used to just listen to the first part and then at worship, after worship, say that's enough for me. But today I would like to encourage you to watch the whole service. Uh, today we're going to talk about miracles and putting miracles in its rightful place, where it's supposed to be. And, and I'm not going to talk about how miracles work and how you can do a miracle. We will pray for people so they can receive miracles. But we're going to explain to you the difference between faith that comes through miracles and faith that comes through the Word of God. And I believe this is just going to be so exciting, so life-changing, and it's going to touch your life. <clears throat> Amen. Now, to all those people that are visiting Dynamic Web Church for the first time today, we would like to welcome you. We'd also like to welcome all the members of Dynamic Web Church. So, you are so welcome. You are really at a place where I believe you're going to be touched by what I'm going to share with you today, touched by God's unconditional love. I am so excited about this Web Church. I know that it is growing and it will be growing and it will be touching people's lives all over the world. You know, the vision of Web Church is not just to have a Web Church, but to see that churches get, churches gets planted out of this all over the world. That is what we want to see. We want to see people established in the grace of God. We want to see people knowing the grace of God to the point that they start to live and see the manifestation of this in their lives. We want you just to know that God loves you. That's it. If you have joined Web Church today and you are thinking, I wonder what this is all about, I can just tell you it's all about God's unconditional love for you. And then messages in the Bible, perspectives in the Bible on how you live, how to handle your wife, your children, basic practical things from that perspective, from God's unconditional love. Now, um, during the week, Elise came to me. Now, Elise is um, one of the ladies that work in the office. And she came and she shared a scripture with me that really blessed me. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 7. And I read it in the King James Version. And um, it, is, man, it really blessed me. Then I thought, let me go to the Amplified and read in the Amplified. And then when, at first it sounded, man, this is a lawful scripture all of a sudden. And it's not such a great blessing. But as you interpret in the message of God's love and what Jesus has done for you, it's even a greater blessing. Let me read this. And I'm going to first read it. Just as the King James would say it. It says, Go your way, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart. For God has already accepted your works. Man, isn't that awesome? It says, Go your way, eat your bread, drink your wine with, 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 with a cheerful heart. Be happy in your heart. Rejoice. Why? For God has already accepted your works. Now, the message of the um, Amplified says it this way. It says, Go your way, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, if you are righteous, wise, and in the hands of God. For God has already accepted your works. Now, I thank God for that where it says, if you are righteous, because we've been made righteous with the righteousness of God. If we are wise, Jesus Christ became the wisdom of God unto us, and in the hands of God. Of course, we are in the hands of God. That's what the Bible says. And He will never let us go. So, if you are born of God, if you're born again, if you're a Christian today, I want to tell you this, that all these things are yours. If you're not a Christian, if you're from some other faith and you're watching this for the first time, I've got good news for you. All this has come unto you. 
So that means that righteousness is at your doorstep. It is yours. God gives it to you as a gift. If you can receive righteousness as a gift, free from your works, free from your holy living, let me tell you something, then you can also be righteous today. If you can believe that Jesus Christ makes you righteous. If you can believe today that Jesus Christ made you wise. Not in your own understanding, but that He acted righteous on your behalf, that He was wise on your behalf, and that believing in Jesus is wise. Um, and if you can believe that God's hand is hand of love, and that you are in His hand, we are in the hand of God. Hallelujah. You can even see the marks in the hands of Jesus. And those marks, was, they were there for us. Hallelujah. We are in the hand of God, and He will never let us go. Amen. Now, um, this is, this is such a wonderful scripture. Let me read it once again. It says, Go your way, eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already accepted your works. Amen. Let's just read one more scripture in um, Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 5, that just talks about works and, and, and our works before God. Romans 5.19 It says, for, ju- for just as by one man's disobedience, failing to hear, heedlessness and um, carelessness, the many were sit- situated sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many shall be constituted righteous, made acceptable to God, brought into right standing with God. So what it says is, through the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ, we've been made righteous. If we can simply believe that. Hallelujah. He brought righteousness to you through His obedience. If you can believe it, you will experience that righteousness today and be made the righteousness of God through what Jesus Christ has done. Hallelujah. Now, I want to just say this before we're going to go over to the worship. I just want to give you an outline of our service today. Maybe you're here for the first time. You don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to work. We're going to go over to worship. We're going to sing a couple of songs together. Um, And as we sing these songs... It's just, going to be, it's just going to touch your heart. It's all grace-based. It's beautiful pictures we put with it. The words are on the screen. You're just going to be blessed by this. We can listen to three or four songs. After that, I'm just going to get right into the Word of God. And then we're going to pray for people. After we pray for people, if you've got a Skype connection, you can then click on, um, open it up and, and connect to Dynamic Web Church. And when you, once you connect to Dynamic Web Church or to, um, yeah, Dynamic Web Church, if you connect to Dynamic Web Church, then we will get you online and we will chat with you afterwards. Hallelujah. Now, another thing that I want to say, we're going to have cell meetings during the week as well. So if you couldn't make it, um, on a Sunday, we want to have cell meetings during the week. And Skype can only take so many people at a time. So, uh, it will be good if we can divide and say, listen, we've got on a Wednesday and a Thursday evening cell, me- cell group meetings as well where we can get together and chat. And what's nice is if there's just three or four people in one of those meetings, it's awesome. So don't think that you, there might be too many. If there's more than three or four, we just connect to another internet connection and we get you in there and uh, we chat with you. We've got, I can, I, I'll be in one of the cell group meetings. Elise is there, Vessel is there. I mean, we've got the people to do this. And um, I believe that, that, that this is really, this chatting together is such an awesome, powerful thing and that it will impact your life as you just share. Because you might have questions 
about the message. You might have said, Bert, you know, I've listened to this. I don't understand this. Explain this to me. Or you want to add to it. You are more than welcome. And we would love to hear from you. You know, in um, Dynamic Web Church, the whole focus is a family. Maybe you are on the other side of the world. It doesn't matter. The focus is a family. So that we can chat with each other, talk to each other, encourage each other, correspond with each other. That's why we are there. Don't be afraid to make use of this. We're not going to ask you money. We don't want to try and manipulate you to do anything for us. We are not here to see how we can build a ministry or a big internet church. We just want to see you build up and established in the message of God's unconditional love. That's what it's all about. And as you grow into that, you will just see more and more of God's love in your life. Now, if you want to know more about Dynamic Web Church, you can just go to, um, click on Dynamic Web Church. You will see our doctrinal statements, what we stand for, how it operates, and all of that is there. Amen. So, um, if you've got any question, any need, please don't hesitate to contact us. Hallelujah. I would just like to say something short on finances. The way money works in Dynamic Web Church is it, people give as they feel in their heart. If you want to give towards this church and this has blessed you, you do that out of your own heart and the amount you would like to give. Please don't connect your giving to this church or to any church or anybody to how much God can bless you because God can bless you and has blessed you more way above what you could ever do for Him. His giving uh, is way greater than yours. And you know what's wonderful? It's not activated when you give. It, it's activated when you believe. If you can simply believe that God blesses me because of Jesus, you will always be prosperous. You will always be in the love of God. You will always be in that place where you experience that for you. That's how simple it is. And if you give, you give out of the abundance of your heart. That is it. And I've got good news for you, and I've said it before, and this is just in my heart right now. I want to say this. We have started this five-minute Bible school. I've made all the videos that was needed. Everything is done. So I'm sure this will be up and running by tomorrow. That is now Monday evening. You can slot into five-minute Bible school, enroll, become part of this. Five-minute Bible school is for everybody. It is there to get you established in the unconditional love of God through a five-minute message that you listen and then study the scriptures for yourself. That's what it's all about. So, you can just click on 5-Minute Bible School. Um, we will have buttons. Just look, for, look out for it. I'm sure we'll have one on the homepage, and we will also have one under Wordwell. You will see a button there that says 5-Minute Bible School. You click on that. It will open up the videos explaining to you how to enroll, how it works, everything, um, how the correspondence in that work. Man, it's going to be awesome. So, Become part of that. Enroll into that. It's going to bless you. Amen. And it is also called a revelation school where we basically give you a message to the point that you can get a revelation from God. Or we help you to get to a place where you can just simply hear what God says to you through scriptures. And that happens from the first message. Hallelujah. It's not difficult. It's easy. Amen. That's our five minute Bible school. And in Web Church, um, and today in Web Church, I also just want to make this announcement. We have not uh, neglected and we have left this thing out of we want to start our own internet TV station under television you might have see, seen there um, you know under construction but we are still um, saving up for the computers that we need and uh, man I believe soon everything will be supplied will be there and we will start with that I am very excited about that we also planning to go to Zambia 
uh, the end of the month, beginning of next month, we're going to Zambia, we're going to have a crusade there, then we're going to go to Durban, Natal, and we're going to have a crusade there as well, uh, for a week long with the Dutch Reformed um, Church from uh, Johannesburg, we're going to have people from, from uh, Krugersdorp, Krugersdorp, they're going to come down, we're going to have a nice crusade out there as well, so that's what we are planning, that's what we're busy doing, and I'm excited, I, I just want to see this, this love of God, go out and touch the lives of people, you know what's nice about the grace of God, I don't live a life of pressure, where I will try to get this thing, that must happen, I must force myself to do this, no, God has come, and He has given us compassion in our hearts, He's given us love in our hearts, and we function in peace from that perspective, and so many times people might say, but that is apathy, that's laziness. You know, you must really go out and do something. You know, the Bible says, if, um, if God is not the builder of the house, those who build, build in vain. So you can be building, but you can be building in vain. So it's better to do as you feel in your heart, flow with what God gives in your heart, don't do it under pressure of performance, and let God do it through you. And then what you do, it's lasting, it stands, it's peace producing, manipulation is not needed, and you walk in the power of God. And all those that walk with you, walk in the peace of God. And that's what we want to see, and that's what we are seeing at the moment. Hallelujah. So, we're going to go over into worship. Um, enjoy this worship. Just let this worship touch your heart, and then get ready for that nice revelation on the difference between faith that comes by miracles... And faith is by the word of God. Amen. Enjoy the worship. God cares for us and just His song, the perfect melody of heaven, is God's love over us. And that we can completely rest in the promises that He has for us. Now, I want to um, read a scripture in Galatians. And uh, we're going to read from uh, chapter 5 and verse 1. And then we're going to go over into explaining the different types of faith there is and what the purpose for a miracle is. So many times we think that the purpose of a miracle is so that people can be convinced of Jesus Christ. If a dead man would be raised or if somebody could get out of a wheelchair, then God's now going to use that to get people to believe in Him. Now, um, it's quite fascinating to know what the Scripture says about that and how Jesus acted towards people that believed in Him because of miracles. So, we're going to get into that as well. But I first want to encourage just the, um, the regular viewers of Dynamic Web Church and the people that really got into the message of God's grace and is trying to share this with others. First of all, I want to say that God loves you and God cares for you. And when you share the gospel, it's an easy thing to share it because it flows out of your heart. But what is not that easy is to face the fact that there will be people that will not accept this. There are always people that will accept the good news and there's people that will reject it. And we must know as Christians that there's a time to share it with somebody and if he doesn't accept it, there's also a time to keep quiet. Because God might want to use somebody else that you, was, you were the one that was sowing the seed of the word there. Somebody else might come and water that seed and then it will bear fruit eventually. And, um, and so many times we want to sow the seed, water the seed and see that it bears fruit. Most of the time when we share the gospel, um, we are not the first person to preach to that person. The first person that ever preaches to somebody is God Himself. And that's what the Scripture states. Jesus said clearly in John that if they, they cannot come to Me unless the Father has drawn them. So, 
if the Father doesn't draw somebody, he cannot come to Jesus. Now, the way the Father draws people, it's, it's written down in John chapter 6, is by sharing with them and preaching to them. Now, the way God preaches is, is maybe not through uh, <coughs> quoting scriptures to people and those type of things, but God works in the emotions of, of somebody. God can give somebody a dream. When somebody just sits and he starts to think about God and, and Jesus Christ, I believe that's God speaking to people. When a person experiences that in his own ability he cannot do it and that he needs help, that's God speaking to people beforehand. And then when that touches somebody's heart to the point where he says, yes, I need a Savior, yes, I need somebody to help me, even if he doesn't cognitively say, oh, somebody needs to save me. If he just, in his heart, um, uh, is open to help of whatever sort it would be, then, when the gospel is preached, when the message of grace is preached, then he will um, accept it. But before that, he cannot accept it. It's impossible. So, God does the, the, um, the pre-preaching, if you want to call it that way. He touches the hearts of people. So, know this. When you share with somebody, you don't have to go and think that you, this is the first time they're going to hear this. No. Through their emotions, dreams, and whatever they've experienced in their life, God can talk to them. Not that God would bring hard times over their, over their past to teach them, but God can speak to them. doesn't matter what has happened in their life. God can tell them, listen, you see, this thing has happened in your life. Let me help you. You see, this marriage, you couldn't make it work in your own ability, but there is help. And then, then just that emotion says, I want to call onto, um, call onto the name of the Lord. You know, most people, if they know that they're going to die, um, they will start to pray. Uh, most of them, even I, 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 look, I looked at um, what this guy, Saddam Hussein, you know, when he was uh, executed, when they hanged him, he prayed before he died. Uh, many people, when they, if they must know they're going to die, last night we watched that movie, uh, Joan of Arc, and she was burnt. You know, when, when you stand in a place where they're going to burn you, Listen, you're going to pray. If you're an atheist, doesn't matter who you are, you've come to a place where you know that in your own ability you cannot do it and you will start to call the name of the Lord. Now, God will not put you on a fire to teach you that you cannot do it by your own power. You, in your own power, just, um, you're just a failure in your own power. That's just the way it works. And you see it, but you, you choose, many, many people choose just to focus on that which is good and right and um, then through ho- uh, strong willpower, just say, well, I'm going to continue this way. But if there's a place where you come and you can say, listen, by my own power, I cannot do it. But I need somewhere to do it. And most of the time, everybody is already at that place if they're just willing to be honest with themselves. That's just the way it is. If you're willing to be honest with yourself, you will know that in your heart, and I'm talking about a person that has, does not have Jesus, that does not have this message of grace in their life, you know that you feel deep in your heart there's an emotion that says, I don't qualify. Um, I, I, I wonder if I die, w- will I make it? You know, emotions like that. Uh, the way God, I believe God spoke to me was, He gave me a vision of, I was riding in a car and I just got this vision. Now, I never believed in visions. I wasn't in a church where it was taught about visions. I never knew that there was a thing like a vision. And I saw a vision of heaven and hell. And I saw this vision of, I am looking towards heaven and walking towards heaven. And, um, but it seems to me as if, in the vision, as if heaven was just going further and further away from me. And when I looked back, then I saw, but I was going into hell. 
And what God was actually showing me, He was just showing me what was happening to me, just supernaturally. Then I said, well, I need a Savior. Somebody needs to save me. I went and I spoke to the reverend of the church. I said to him, listen, um, I'm not saved. I need to be saved. And he said to me, no, man, we've accepted you into the congregation already. You know, you are a member of this church. You are saved. You've taken communion. You are saved. I said to him, I'm not saved. I know that I'm not saved. And um, eventually, uh, uh, God spoke to me. There was a, I saw a poster of a crusade uh, that Jan de Wet came and held. And when I saw that, there was just something in my heart that says, man, go there. Uh, and that was the way God preached to me beforehand. Now, when I got to the crusade, this man preached, and be- God has already been talking to me. Not that I, I didn't even know it was God talking to me. I never said, you know, God said to me, I'm not saved. I, I didn't. Man, I was looking towards heaven. God was just showing me exactly what was happening. You are thinking you're going there, but you're not going there. You need a Savior. By your own works and your ability, you're not going to make it. That was what God was talking to me, sharing the truth with me about that, about my life, the facts about what was happening, knowing that there will come a man. And when I saw that, uh, that will preach the gospel in the crusade, when I saw the poster, it worked in my heart. God spoke to me in my heart. And I went there. When I went there, this man preached the gospel and it touched my heart. I could go to Jesus. I could accept Jesus. And I went and I, I, I remember I was sitting in the, in the, um, on the, in the stadium and I said, Lord, I said, God, let this man just call me forward. Let him call us. I want to go and just have this step of faith where I go and I say, I receive Jesus. And he did that. I went forward and I stood there and I said, Lord, I'm serious about this. And that's how I received salvation. So I want to say to you, if you are somebody that uh, um, really, you're in web church and this has touched your life, you've heard the message of grace, and you feel that you become a bit despondent because people don't want to accept this and they reject this message and people are rejecting you. Uh, Man, it happened to Jesus, it happened to Paul, it happened to the apostles. People were murdered. For this message of grace. Um, not that I say, you know, expect just to be persecuted all the time, but Jesus said that, and we should supposed to accept this, this is the way it's going to be. If our master was not above um, persecution, we are not greater than him. We will also be persecuted. That's the way it is. And, and Paul was, was like that, but what he said is, if we are persecuted for righteousness, that's what Jesus taught us. We are persecuted for righteousness. If you go through a bit of a hard time when family or friends that you've been in a church with doesn't want to accept this message of grace and they start to say, but it's just a license to sin and they start to push you out of that circle of friends that you were in and things like that. Listen, um, the Bible says, count it joy for you know that you are in the truth in the same way they persecuted the prophets beforehand. You know, so, and we are not persecuted for the law's sake. We are persecuted for righteousness' sake because we're preaching righteousness by Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I want to encourage you, please uh, stay in the liberty that you are in. And I want to read this scripture. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now, what happened here was, Paul started the church in Galatia. People came and preached the law to them. Said to them, you must be circumcised. You believe in Jesus, yes, but you Jews, 
you must be circumcised as well because um, here we've got enough ample scripture to prove that you must be circumcised. And I, I must be honest. You know, Paul didn't have a book that he could quote from that was said that, that he said, this is the Bible. You know, this is the New Testament interpretation of the thing. All that Paul had was the Old Testament law and the prophets. And he had to come with what Jesus revealed to him personally and then interpret those scriptures. You know, and say, this scripture means this and that one means that. Talking about Jesus would come. So he was actually living in a much more difficult situation than than what we are living in today. Um, Because, I mean, they had more proof that people had to be circumcised out of the scriptures than what Paul had that they should not be. Uh, you know, because if you look from a law perspective, there would be ample scripture. But if you look from a grace perspective, then there's just as much scripture in the Old Testament to prove that you don't have to be. But it was easier for somebody to go and, and, and people could go and preach and say, listen, man, here the scripture says you must be circumcised. It says, yeah, behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. And I want to say to you uh, that believe the message of God's unconditional love. Don't go back under rules and regulations and laws. Take this message of grace, walk in it. You know, you will find that you will start to make friends with people that are like-minded. And um, embrace those friendships. And uh, walk in that. That will help you. Okay, it says, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are that are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. So, the way you fall from grace is not by going and swearing. That's not falling from grace. Falling from grace is seeking justification by what you do. Then you have fallen from grace. Uh, Paul said that if people would go and be circumcised or would go under the old Jewish way of doing things, Jewish traditions and laws, then they would be um, falling from grace. And that was what the church in Jerusalem was doing all the time. James, the apostle James went and all of the people, I mean, the, the, the Christians in Jerusalem that got born again, all their children were circumcised. They were circumcised. And uh, they believed in that. They believed they were part of the covenant by... They still went to the temple. They were still zealous of the law of Moses and of rules and regulations and man-made rules and customs. That's what they were um, uh, preaching and believing and doing all the time. And Paul was coming and he was saying, listen, all this, you don't have to do that. We are justified by Jesus. Then people went and they were circumcised. Uh, 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 Some of the heathen now, or the non-Jews, were convinced by certain preachers, Jewish preachers, that even the heathen had to be circumcised. Because it was a Jewish custom that if you want to um, even get close to the temple and be part of of God's nation, you had to be circumcised. Uh, so then these people in Galatia some of the Jews that lived there of course they believed in circumcision and they were compelled to be circumcised and to circumcise their children and then some of the Gentiles they were, were, were taught that they had to be circumcised now listen to what Paul says he says if you want to do the law you must do the whole law you can't just do one part of the law now let me just clarify what the law is for those of you who just watched this for the first time or maybe the first time and you haven't heard the definition of the law the law is, 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 the law of Moses was the Ten Commandments, but the law that was implemented by Adam between God and man is the, the thought pattern that says, by what I do, 
I'm justified before God and then blessed accordingly. Or by what I do, I'm made righteous and then blessed accordingly. That is the law. So, um, what Paul was saying is, if you want to be circumcised, if you want to obey one law to say, by this one thing I do, then I'm qualified before God, then you must do all things. You must do the whole law. You can't just do one and leave the rest, because then you you are found guilty by the rest. Now, um, he was just telling them, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Now I want to um, go on a little bit. It says here um, that if, if you read chapter 5, you will see that people came and said, No, listen man, you should be circumcised. Even Paul is preaching circumcision now. And Paul was never preaching circumcision. He was falsely accused of preaching that you must be circumcised um, and, and then people try to use the words of Paul and say, you know, twist what Paul's preaching and saying he's preaching circumcision, you must be circumcised. Now listen to what Paul says. He says, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. So Paul was persecuted for preaching that you don't have to be circumcised. He was persecuted and that's the offense of the cross. People are going to be offended when you say you don't have to obey laws in order to be justified or to stand righteous before God. That's just the way it's going to be. It's not going to be any other way. It's not going to be different. It was like that with Jesus. It was like that with Paul. It's going to be like that with us as well. And then uh, if you go and read the parable of the sower, the Bible says that uh, some seed fell on the stony grounds and it came up with gladness, you know, or it, it, it came up quickly. Um, it's the same with the Word of God. We believe the grace of God. We hear the message of grace. It comes up quickly. But then, the sun comes, and because of that heat, it withers away. And then Jesus gives the interpretation. Th- those are the people that hear the Word, gladly take it, but when the persecution comes, they fall away and they go back into the law. So, I want to tell you, let's, let, don't be that seed that was sown on the stony ground. Open this message of grace to enter into the depths of your heart so that you can know this can bear fruit in my life. I'm not going to sway under uh, uh, persecution. Persecution we're going to find. And that's the way it's going to be. I've been persecuted for righteousness. False things have been said about me. I've been under pressure because of this. People have just told me, oh, you're a preacher of this, you're a preacher of that. One of the greatest things that people said about me was that I'm an inclusion preacher, saying that, um, that, that I'm preaching a, a, a doctrine that says you don't even need faith. That's how this absolute grace type of, of nonsense, trying to make me a false preacher. And that was because they were offended, for I told them that some of the things they preach has got a law uh, is law-based, you know, and that brings out that the motives of the heart's not pure and right, and, that, and they got offended and start to preach, uh, share, uh, spread this false teaching about me. Um, people that get get offended because of preaching this grace, they will just make up stories about you. They will say you've stolen something or you've been in the wrong relationship. That's just the way people are, you know. Just in this movie, Joan of Arc, you can just see how people are that's on, under a law base that's law-based. They're just worried about their own ego and things like that, they don't care about the truth. They'll persecute the truth and say, well, let's put pressure on them, uh, on the truth and people preach the gospel and if God's with them, then God will deliver them. You know, so uh, 
That's just the way it works. And you must know that we don't live in heaven. We live in a wicked world. This world, there are people that are not from God. There are people in this world whose thought patterns... Now, all people, I believe, are from God, but the way they believe, all of that's not from God. And they will persecute you. And what's bad about this is, um, a lot of the time, this can be your very good friend that you've been friends with for many years. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring the sword. And what that means was, and then he says, there'll be a fight between mother and daughter and between, um, you know, brothers and, and, and family will even fight about this. The closest relationships, people are going to fight about the gospel. Because this gospel is what sets people truly free. And some people don't want to be set free. They, want, they think they're free and they're not. And let's take God's part. Let's take the good news' part. And let's say, I'm not going to come to a point where I'm not where I'm going to sit at a place where I say, well, I'm not going to be persecuted for righteousness. That's just too bad, too hard. I'm... You'll be more frustrated and worried once you've denied the grace and gone back under the law than sticking to grace. That's it. You know, I've seen friends of mine, they've heard grace, they've taken grace, they've believed grace for a while. Then they go back under the law. Those people don't have peace for one second in the day. You can never have peace. After you've heard grace, believed grace and rejected it, you can't. It will, it will haunt you. Not that God's judging you, but you will know that you are rejecting the very truth of God. So I want to encourage you, if you're a good news believer, if you believe the, the grace of God, I want to say this, yes, there's going to be persecution. You're going to be persecuted. But be friends with those that believe the grace. Even if it's just one or two. Just be friends with them. Study the grace. Make your focus the grace. Share the gospel with those people that are persecuting you. Yes, do that. But when you feel this is it, they are only out to fight against me. They doesn't matter what I say, they're not going to listen. They don't listen to this to hear what is said. They listen to this to oppose it. Man, leave them. Pray for them and uh, ask God to send another laborer over their path. And that's, that's just the way it's going to be. Amen. But if you still feel you want to share it, do it. I've done that. I've shared with people for a long time. You know, trying to convince them, sharing with them. And eventually they become upset with me. I, I irritate them. Because they think that I'm only trying to convince them about this thing. And I'm, I'm so, everything is grace, grace, grace. And then they come with teachings like, Yo, you know, you're so much in grace, you're making a law out of grace. Man, let me tell you, that's not the way it works. Now, one of the things that people fall into the law with is miracles, signs and wonders. Now, I've been in a Dutch Reformed church and there, there was nothing like praying in tongues, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, miracles, nothing like that. Whenever something bad happened, it was just God's mysterious will. You know, uh, uh, we don't know the will of God. God just allows this. This happens in the best of families. You know, this person died. God die blommikie komplik, you know. That type of thing. And that's not, that's not the way uh, uh, God works. But all these bad things was assigned to God as well. Um, it was as if Satan didn't exist. It was as if God was doing the work of himself and the devil. Uh, and everything that's good and bad comes from God. And that's basically the way it worked in that church. Not that I say that people in that church is not saved. Uh, if you believe in Jesus for salvation, you believe that Jesus is your righteousness, and you call on His name for salvation, you are saved. But in that church, there was nothing like signs, wonders, and miracles. 
Then, um, after the experience that I've explained to you a bit earlier, I got saved and then I went to the army, after army, went to a church in, um, and well, just after I got saved, I started to pray for the sick and see signs, wonders and miracles and all of that. I went to a charismatic church where miracles and signs was very important. And there are many churches today, it's as if we have gone away from the place where we say there's no signs and wonders, and it's not important at all, to a place where miracle signs and wonders is the proof that God's with you, <clears throat> is the proof that God is, or that the word that you preach is the truth. And where we believe that a miracle sign or wonder will get people to believe in Jesus Christ. Now I've got news for you. A miracle doesn't make anybody believe in Jesus. A miracle might be unto salvation, and, and let me clarify that. A miracle might get a person to say, Man, there is something here. And then, if they can believe the good news that is preached to them, that will bring salvation. But a miracle can't make somebody believe the good news when it's preached to him. You must realize that. People saw miracles. The Pharisees saw the miracles that Jesus did Himself. And one would think that if Jesus could appear here right now and do some miracles, get people out of wheelchairs, raise some dead people, <coughs> take food and multiply it, then people are going to believe. Now, that's not the truth. If it didn't happen in Jesus' time, it's not going to happen now. A miracle is not going to get somebody to believe in Jesus. What gets people to believe in Jesus is God's preaching beforehand and then you preaching the message of grace, God's Spirit drawing him, that person believing the word that is preached and once he believes that, he is saved. That's how it works. And a miracle has never been designed by God to get people to believe the gospel. Jesus was actually irritated were the Pharisees and the Jews that were seeking a sign all the time. He said that only an adulterous nation seeks for a sign. That's what he said. And, and I once asked God, why, why are you talking about, uh, why do you call it adulterous nation? Because, and then this is what God said to me. He said to me, people want to, um, ha- adultery is when you've got a relationship with more than one partner. If you're married to one and then you've got a relationship outside of wedlock, that is called adultery. Now, if you say, well, I want to be married with Jesus, I want to believe His Word, but I don't, I'm not going to believe this, only this Word, but I'm also going to have a relationship with physical manifestations of stuff. So, the, I, I believe in Jesus, yes, but I also believe because these things happen. That's adultery. That's an adulterous nation. That is fornicating between uh, uh, grace and the law. The law says, if you can do this or that, then it's the truth. Grace says, because of what Jesus has done, if you can just believe it, it manifests in your life. That is, you are righteous. So, then the law comes and says, you know, if this miracle can happen, then what is said is the truth. And that happened to Jesus. Jesus was in uh, the desert. Satan came to him and said, If you can perform this miracle, then you are the Son of God. 
That's what it's in. You might say, Betty, but you're not reading scriptures. I will get into the reading of the scriptures. There's some nice scriptures we're going to read. Um, but I'm quoting scriptures. You can go and read it for yourself. Jesus said, well, I'm not going to live, I'm not going to find my life in doing this miracle. But I'm going to find my life in what the Father said about me. So what happened in the church is that people would run and fly all over the world to go to revivals because there's miracles there. We're going to run after that miracle because there's a miracle, that means God's there. And I want to say this, if I do a crusade now, I, I can go right now into, into the uh, community and I can go from house to house and I can find sick people and today, if I start praying for the sick at 12 today, we're going to find at least 35 miracles before tonight. I'll tell you the truth. And if I train up people, uh, young evangelists, if I do it now, Say we do, we've done this yesterday, and we've got 15 people, 20 people, let's make it easy, let's make it 10, and we go into the community today, we're going to find at least 300 miracles happening today. And if I advertise this correctly, I can advertise this as a revival, and people will fly from all over the world to come here. That's the way it will work. Now, I'm not saying that we should not go out, and we should not tell people about miracles. But this does not mean that God is more with us than what He is right now, where I'm preaching and we're not seeing any miracle. The purpose of a miracle is not to get people to believe. The purpose of a miracle is to get the sick man healed. And that's all. And I found people, you know, if there's a miracle, we, we're so excited, you know, there's miracles, excited about the miracles. The same pe- disciples of Jesus came to Jesus, very excited about the miracles. You know, we've casted out demons in your name, Lord. No, this miracle happened, that miracle happened. Jesus said, man, don't be excited about those things. Rather be happy because your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Or written in heaven. That's what he said. The true joy is what happened upon the cross and what Jesus Christ has given us. And I've got miracles in my own ministry, and I say this from a platform, from a man of God, which I believe I am, that believes in the grace of God and sees the manifestation of miracles. Just go on, click onto miracles on the website and you can go and see the type of miracles we see as well. When we go to Zambia now, on the third we fly to Zambia, we're going to see miracles. We're going to see people throwing away their crutches. We're going to see deaf people hearing. We're going to see people being delivered from demons and devils. That's going to happen. But that is not bringing, making me believe in God. And it is not going to make anybody believe in God. Now let's read John chapter 2. John chapter 2. If you read from verse 18, let's read from verse 18. What happened here was, let me just explain to you um, what happened beforehand. Jesus came and He went into the temple and He overturned the tables and all of that. Then He said to the people there, um, this is my father's house, and don't make, don't make my father's house a den of robbers. That's what he said to them. Then they said to him, since you are saying these things, now you must remember that in the Jewish time, there was nothing like calling the temple your father's house. Because if you said God was your father, you number one made yourself equal with God. Um, and, and you said that that belongs, I mean, under their way of understanding, it was, you're saying this belongs to me. 
It's my father's house. I am inheriting this from my father. This temple belongs to me. Then they said, listen to what they say. They, then the, um, they, said, they said unto him, What sign do you show unto us, seeing that you do these things? Jesus said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now, I mean, that was, a, that was the sign that Jesus was giving to them. What, what was that sign? That was just the preaching of the gospel. I will raise up. If you can't believe because I've died and rose again, you will never believe. That's the sign. If people want a sign, if people say, listen, I want a sign that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, tell them this sign I give unto you, that He died and was risen on the third day. Now, if they can't believe that, that word that you say right there, if you raise somebody from the dead right in front of their eyes, if somebody has been hit by a truck and is in pieces, and you call the name of Jesus, and they come together and live right there, that man will not believe. That miracle cannot make him believe. He might say with his mouth, Oh, I believe now. But you can't commit yourself to him, for just in front, just two weeks from there, or a month, or a year from there, he's not going to believe anymore, if another miracle doesn't happen, because his whole faith is not based on the word, his faith is based on circumstances, and stuff that happens. And you're always going to find some person that's not going to be healed, some place where there's not going to be a miracle as you think is supposed to be. And then you're going to say, oh yeah, now this, this, this doesn't happen anymore. You know, um, it, it's like Jesus. If Jesus would have stopped to do miracles, a lot of people would have left Him. It's just the way it is. Because they believed in Him because of the miracles. Now, listen to this. Now, when He was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in His name, listen to this, when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Unto whom? Unto those that believed on him because they saw the miracles. He didn't commit himself unto them. He knew that their faith was not stable. They weren't believing the word. They didn't understand the doctrine of Christ. They only believed because they saw miracles. They didn't know why they believed. They didn't know why Jesus came. They didn't know what the gospel was all about. They just said, I'm a believer for I see these miracles. I've been to churches and I've seen people in my own crusades that believed on me because they see miracles. They believed on the name of Jesus saying, yeah, we're also Christians. We also confess the name of Jesus because look at these miracles, man. And you know what? The last thing you'll find me do is committing myself unto them. Because they are believers because of miracles. Because tomorrow, if you've got a crusade, or if the person they are so happy with that got healed, dies, or something bad happens to him, they're not going to believe on me anymore. They're not going to believe on the name of Jesus anymore. They're not going to trust what I say. I remember we were in Malawi, and there came a man, and this is now the typical way it is in Africa as well. We, we preached... Um, and uh, there was a, we had wonderful miracles, wonderful miracles. There came a man that was, his one leg was about this much shorter than the other leg. He walked on crutches and where you would hold, uh, hold it, he would stand with, with his one leg on the ground, the other one he would hang over that part when he was standing, you know. That was the way he was most at ease. 
And um, what happened was, just over this crutch, he had a, it was that much leg and then a, sh- a small foot like this. And he was deaf and dumb. So we would, he would come to the crusade every night and we would pray for him, we would pray for him, we would pray for him. No miracle, nothing. We prayed for him for 10, ten uh, days, every night. We would have the whole team pray for him. Nothing, deaf and dumb. No miracle at all. We came back to that same place six months later for another crusade and here came a man running towards us and that was that man. Completely healed. You know, he had two legs. His feet was normal. Normal shoes, completely healed. Then they, you know, he was just talking, you know, because he was deaf and dumb. We said, now let's pray for his ears. We prayed for him. God opened his ears and he could speak immediately. Completely healed. A miracle. A year later, he walked from that place. He he became a member of the church. He heard the gospel. He became a member of the church. He walked to a church meeting in Mozambique because it was on the Malawi border as he was going over the mountain. He walked over the mountain and he got murdered on the way. Now, what do you think would be in the minds of the people that are superstitious? They would say that he got healed but he had to pay with his life. And they will not believe what you preach. That's the way it is. Now, this is what happened with Jesus. People believed because of the miracles, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Jesus committed himself to the twelve. How did he call the twelve? He never did a miracle and then called the twelve. He just went to them and said, follow me, I'll make you a, a fisher of men. Then they believed him. Then they saw miracles. But the miracles was just for one reason, that's to get the people healed. Amen. Now we're going to get to some scriptures that's coming to your mind. Don't worry about that. But Jesus didn't commit himself unto them because he knew all men. He knew how people are. And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. He didn't want people to believe because of miracles. You know, people came and... He didn't want people, and I hope I can explain this correctly, to believe on Him because of miracles. And this is a scenario. People saying, you know, you must come and become a follower of Jesus. Look at the wonderful things happened. He gave money to this man. He multiplied the bread. He did this. He did that. And did all those type of things. So we believe in Him because He's got this miraculous power. If you believe on that, you can still go. You, if you believe like that, you can still go to hell. For saying, I believe in Jesus because He does miracles does not save you. You must believe the gospel. You must have an understanding of the gospel and believe what happened in the gospel. Then you'll be saved. Like the man that hanged upon the cross next to Jesus. He understood the gospel and believed the gospel. He said, when you come into your throne... Now, for him to say that, he had to believe that he was the Son of God. He had to believe what the Scriptures say about Jesus, that he has a throne in heaven where he's going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, if you come in there, think of me. So, what he was actually saying in his words was, I believe on you, that you are the Savior of mankind, and that was what saved him. 
That was what saved him. The three hours darkness and all those type of things and, and the supernatural things that happened, that was not what saved him. What saved him was his faith in who Jesus was. Now, a miracle can get somebody to come to the meeting where you preach about who Jesus is. But if that's never preached, man, don't even go. You're wasting your time unless you want a miracle. You can get your miracle there and that's it. But don't think you're going to get salvation there. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, not a miracle. If you say, well, I believe in the name of Jesus because diamonds fell out of the air. I'm not saying diamonds cannot fall out of the air. I'm not saying you cannot be covered with gold flakes. Or, Well, people that listen to my messages are covered in gold flakes. That happens. It's not that I'm against that. I'm not saying, you know, I mean, in, in our crusades we see people getting healed. We see miracles happen. I'm not against those type of signs and miracles. It's there. It's, it, 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 and God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to manifest that. But let's not make more of it than what it is. You know, if a miracle happens, do you know what it means? It just means that God confirms His Word. What Word? The Word that by His stripes we are healed. He confirms that Word. And if you believe that Word, you are healed. He confirms that Word is the truth. But let's not say, well, because miracles happen, we say this is a man of God or not. Because there's a scripture in the Bible that says that they've casted out devils in my name and Jesus said, I don't even know you. There are even people today that can do miracles that God, that doesn't even know God using the name of Jesus. That's how far this thing can go. That's how people, I mean, there were people that came to Jesus and said, but Lord, Surely we must be your people because we did miracles. That was faith because of miracles and not faith in a revelation of what Jesus Christ has done. Now, if a miracle cannot get somebody to believe, if a miracle does not happen, it cannot get him not to believe. And that can give you peace. Because if, you, if, if I go and I preach in a crusade and I say, <clears throat> God's going to do miracles, signs and wonders, and I pray for people, some get healed, some doesn't get healed, that's not going to influence the belief of those people. Because that miracle can't make them to believe, and that miracle that doesn't happen can't make them not to believe. As much as what... You know, if a person say, because a miracle hasn't happened, I'm not going to believe in Jesus, he's never been a believer of Jesus anyway. That's just the way it is. He's never been a believer anyway. Because if you believe the truth because of a revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, no if a miracle happened or if it doesn't happen, can take it away from you because it was never based on miracles. It was based on the truth that Jesus died, was representing you and me and He obeyed on your behalf, was resurrected on your behalf and that's the stability of your faith. Not if a miracle happens or not. And I do believe miracles happen. I believe miracles can happen right now if I pray for people now. Even while I speak now, a miracle can happen to somebody can be healed of some ache or pain or stress or delivered from financial bondage or whatever. It can happen. It's like one of my friends. He, he listened and we will put this testimony on um, under financial testimonies. I gave him my series on uh, finances. And, I mean, these people were so, so poor, they couldn't even pay attention. They were really so, so poor. Um, they, they went into debt, credit cards to the maximum. 
I think they had 24,000 rand debt on their credit cards. They couldn't make any more debt. They owed people money, yeah, not just uh, institutions. They owed friends money. Man. Friends didn't even want to be friends with them anymore because they owed them so much money. And they, the guy didn't work. He couldn't find a work. He struggled. His wife struggled. It was such a thing. They, got, they started to listen to those messages. They believed that God would be good to them, free from their giving and doing and all of that. Um, and they believed the good news. They, believed, they were believing that for, I think, about a, a year. They didn't see a miracle. And they phoned me yesterday and they said, you know what, we believe this thing because the Word says it, it produced faith in our hearts. And doesn't matter what happened in our finances, we believed it because it was in our heart, it came through the Word. Even if, it, if we never received a miracle, we believed this because it was in our hearts through the Word that produced faith in our hearts. And they said, you know what, we went to the bank to get a statement to see how much we're still outstanding and somebody last month um, paid all my wife's debt and this month paid all my debt. Isn't that awesome? They don't know who it is. That's awesome. It happened to me. I've owed telecom money that I couldn't pay. And we went to them and said, listen, we still owe you money. We, we want to come and pay this off. We want to arrange with you. I mean, they've sent us letters, you know, that comes from the lawyers and whatever. And we went to them. We said to them, we prayed about it. Thank you, God, for your grace. We're going to pay this off. Try to organize it with them. Um, we came there. They, they opened the computer up there. They said, listen, you owe us nothing. I said, it's impossible. You've sent us letters that we owe you money. No, you owe us nothing. I had, we, we had a bit of an argument about it to the point that when the lady said to me, said, listen, sir, if you want to owe us money, you must open an account with us. So, those things happen. But I'm not going to believe because of that miracle. There's a greater miracle, a greater sign. And it was this, that the sign of Jonah, that three days he was in the belly of the fish. And that's the sign. What's the sign? That was the sign of Jesus. And what's the truth? We don't even have to have that sign. The sign we've had, that sign became true. What do we believe? Why do we believe? Because he did die. And he was raised from the dead. And if you can't believe it, because I'm just telling you right now, please don't be fooled. If a miracle happens, you're not going to believe. You will still doubt. You will doubt uh, 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 that miracle. And even if it happens, you will say, yes, okay, but yeah, what about this miracle? What about that miracle? And even if a miracle happens now, I've seen it so many times in the lives of doubters, that we will see people getting out of wheelchairs, then they will come and say, but what about the deaf guy that didn't hear? There's nothing more frustrating than people that's like that. I, I tell you. So let's not take miracles, make it this big thing, put all our faith towards, let's get a miracle to happen here in this situation. If some miracle cannot happen in my life or in my ministry, how will people believe in me? If, if it happens, they're not going to believe anyway. People say, if, if bread can just be multiplied, like in the days of Jesus, then people will believe. Man, it, hap it happens daily. The places in the world, it happens on a daily basis, man. My, um, my sister's husband, I don't know what that is now in English, but my sister's husband they, and my sister, they went to a place in Belito, in Durban, and they, they get, dished out food. They, I think they had 200 uh, gifts for children. 200, I think it was 200, I'm, I'm not sure about the numbers, 
but uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but this is what, 200, 250 gifts for children, but it was about 400 kids. They dished it out, they, they gave to every child, and um, to all 400 of them, and there was over. Now, you, the first thing a doubter would say is, yes, but how sure am I? We must prove this scientifically. You know, this, listen, that miracle happened. It happened. We know who's going to, who's going to get saved because of that. And if people believe, if somebody says, well, I believe in Jesus now, because he could do this miracle. You know what? That person that says that the chance that he's born again is about zero. He needs to hear the truth. If he sees that, then you can tell him, listen, let me tell you about the God that did this miracle. And then you share the gospel of Jesus with him. And the gospel of Jesus is you're not justified by your works. He, he obeyed on your behalf. If you cannot eat his flesh and drink his blood, you've got no part in him. And if they cannot believe that, they are not saved. So a miracle is, that miracle was to give those children toys. It was not to get people to believe in Jesus. It was to give them toys. What was given to get people to believe in Jesus was written down in Romans 10 that says, How will they believe if there's not a preacher preaching the Word of God? John the Baptist was the greatest preacher and the greatest prophet of the Old Testament and there was not one miracle that he did. He didn't do one miracle. Not one. And he was greater than Elijah. He was greater than Moses. He was greater than Abraham. He was greater than David. He was greater than all those people without one miracle. What made him great was the word he preached. Hallelujah. And this thing that we run after men of God because of signs, wonders and miracles... And, and I just want to say this, while I say this, I've got this joy in my mind, I can say this, because there's signs, wonders, miracles in my own ministry as well. Um, this thing that we run after men of God for signs, wonders, miracles, is just producing an empty Christianity. Because that sign, wonder, and miracle, that trying to fetch the fire from here and there, and all that type of stuff, is empty, man. It doesn't work. What brings true joy is an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. He didn't say there, it says the gospel, the good news in Romans 1.17, is the power of God unto salvation. He didn't say there, raising the dead is the power of God unto salvation. Now, let's go, go on. We, we read on here, verse 24, it says, But Jesus did not commit himself unto those that believed on his name because of the miracles, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man. Didn't need that people who testify about what happened to this guy and what happened to this guy all the time. Jesus, when a miracle happened, he said, Go and tell no one. Really? It's in the Bible. But we want to advertise it. <laughs> Because Jesus knew that if people believe just because of this miracle, it's not going to work. Not a true faith. And we're going to see that now in chapter 4 as well. Then in verse 3, there was a man. Where was a man? Amongst those that believed because of the miracles. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Now listen to what he believes about Jesus. But he's still not saved. 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born as he is old, or when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. What he was actually saying to Nicodemus was, you're still in the flesh, you're not born of the Spirit, even if you believe that I'm sent of God. It's what will save you is what you believe why I was sent, and what I've come to do. Now, Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, now let's go to verse 14, I don't want to... Uh, um, uh, explain all of that now, verse 14, where he explained how he could, how he could get saved. He said, and as it, uh, he said he had to be born again through what Jesus has done. Verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have eternal life. Hallelujah. The miracle at least got, uh, um, uh, Nicodemus to come to the house of Jesus. But that miracle, did not get Nicodemus saved. Nicodemus had to believe the preaching of the word that Jesus preached to him. And you can go on and read the whole, whole thing there. Where he says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. That whosoever believes on me will be saved. And he had to believe that Jesus died, was, uh, 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 he, was, he rose again, and was seated at the right hand of the Father, obeyed on his behalf, so that he could be born again. Believed on Jesus for salvation not on his own works and his own abilities. So, a miracle is not what makes people saved. Now, let's go to John. Um, I wrote it down here. Luke 16, 27. Luke 16, verse 27. It doesn't help we abuse miracles. A miracle is not there with a purpose to, uh, uh, to preach the gospel. A miracle is there as a fruit of the preaching of the gospel. That can be... That's the correct way it's supposed to be. But you might say, Bertie, but uh, Jesus confirmed the word by signs, wonders, miracles. Yes, preach the word. And let that word be confirmed by signs, wonders, miracles. But your faith is not directed to the miracle. If a miracle happens, they must come and say, what word does this man preach? Then you must be able to give them the gospel of grace. That's what will bring salvation. And I've got good news for you. Without a miracle, people can also believe. I don't even want to say it this way. Only through the preaching of the word can people believe. There's no other way. That's what the Bible says. How can they believe unless they, there's somebody that is sent? How can they believe unless there's a preacher preaching the word of grace? And then miracles happen. Then people can ask, what word is this? Then they can hear the word. But let me tell you something. The chance that they will believe that word is 100% in accordance to their response to the preaching of the Father beforehand in their hearts. Jesus did miracles. And He preached grace. And people wanted to kill Him. That miracle didn't make them believe. If the word cannot make you believe, a miracle cannot make you believe. Let's go to uh, Luke 16. So, and, and, and all I want to say about this is, if you've shared the gospel of grace with somebody, you've said to him, listen my brother, in the love of God you've come with the compassion of God. You said to him, 
my brother, you know, the, this is what Jesus has done for you. If he cannot believe it just because you say it that way, if he walks with you in the street and he sees a miracle happen, you know what? He's still not going to believe what you said. I've had people like that. I've been in a church, um, you know, and I almost said the, the name of the people, but I've been in a church and um, people, was, they were fond of me. They, they, loved, they, they loved the message I preached and I preached the gospel. And then a lot of the people in church started to like me. Then the leaders got offended because of that. So I said, let me just keep my distance. And under that church, I start another church. When we start that church and testified about the miracles that God did in that church, you know what the leader said? They said, yeah, you know, there are many people in the last day that will say, um, uh, uh, you know, we've casted our devils in your name, we've done miracles in your name. And Jesus said, I didn't know you. That's what they said to us when we told them what God was doing. They didn't rejoice. They didn't want to believe. They rejected the message of grace to preach the law. Preach against what I preach. And they saw miracles in their own church. They saw miracles in, in, in the... Um, they saw miracles everywhere. You know, they, they, they heard the gospel. They didn't believe the gospel. Because they were offended with the word, the miracle had no power in their lives. Nothing. A miracle is towards people. That's all. It's, it's towards the sick, that the sick can be healed. That's all. It is showing the love of God to people. But that is not what brings salvation. And we're going to read this now. It says here, this is the, uh, the story of Lazarus and the rich man that both died. And the rich man was in hell and Lazarus was in the bosom uh, of Abraham. Now, do I have the right? Okay, then he said, now this was the rich man to Lazarus, shouting over this big gorge now, said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that you would send him, this is now Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he might testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear Moses and the prophets. And he said, No father, no father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one rose from the dead. (laughs) Hallelujah! So you don't have to do miracles anymore to preach the gospel. You can now do miracles and walk in the power of God from a pure motive because you love people. Not to prove anything. We're not into the proving business. And let us stay free with the freedom with which we were made free from the beginning. We were made free to be children of God, free from our works. Then Satan came and said, well, you know, not now you're a child of God, but if you're a true child of God, you know, you must have these miracles. So, do these miracles and then you qualify as a true man of God or true, true woman of God. No ways. That's not the way it's going to work. We are what we are because of God's Word that said it. And we do things because of our faith in what He has already told us. Not to prove anything. Not to prove anything. And you know what? Let me, let me put it to you this way. And this is what I think. 
Now, there's some scripture that can prove it differently in certain, certain circumstances. But so many times we would take somebody to a crusade with a wheelchair. That's in a wheelchair or that's got some serious sickness. And we think that he's now going to be healed. Now we've got the documentation there. Now we're going to publish this in the newspaper. And this is now really going to impact the world. Now we think that. <laughs> then we, we find that the miracle doesn't happen. So, so, if this miracle doesn't happen, we say, oh, you know, the miracle didn't happen. God, why? And then we walk for six months. Why, Lord? Why, Lord? You should have done this miracle because then the people would have believed. You know, here, this man asked for a miracle to happen so that people could believe. So, if, the, if you say, do this miracle, so that the people can believe. You know what the answer from God towards you? No. No, the answer is no. It's not going to happen. Why? For if they cannot even, the chance, listen to this, they've got Moses and the prophets. The chance that you can give somebody the Old Testament and that he could come to faith in Jesus Christ is bigger than doing a miracle and getting people to believe in Jesus. That's what he said, yeah. So if you come and say, Lord, do this miracle, because then it's a proof of the gospel, then others are going to believe. Man, forget about it. Man. It's not true. I, I want to put it this way, God's not in it. But if we come with compassion for the lost, and we just want to see Him healed, that's fine. You know, I've had people say to me, Bertie, why don't you document all the miracles? Why? For what reason? There's no reason to do that. It's just, I've got to employ somebody, I've got to drive all over the world, I've, I've got to commit myself to people that got a miracle. Get them to testify, then we get that miracle, we broadcast that miracle all over the world, then three years or six months down the line, that guy gets sick. Then, if we want to be righteous in our works, we must broadcast that as well. No, no. We're not going to use miracles to prove anything. If we show miracles, it's just so that you can see what God's doing, that you can be happy to see this is what God's doing. It can just stir your heart to see how God loves people and whatever. That you, but, that is not going to produce anything whatsoever in your life except a little bit of excitement and that you can see, see the manifestation of the Word. That's all. That's it. Maybe you see that miracle where somebody got healed from HIV AIDS or whatever and you've got that same sickness and you can say, man, God did it for this person. Let me hear the Word. But if you come and say, God did it for that man, he's going to do it for me, you might be healed. You might get healed. But that doesn't prove your salvation. Here comes Nicodemus. He believed in the name of Jesus. Didn't, but he didn't believe in the name of Jesus for the purpose of the name of Jesus. He didn't know why Jesus came. He didn't understand the salvation plan. There were many people that followed Jesus. Many. There were many disciples. Jesus had many disciples. But when he preached the gospel to those disciples that followed him because of miracles, they deserted him to the point that Jesus asked the twelve, are you also going to leave? How do you think Jesus must have felt? Here was people committed unto his ministry, but the moment he said, you don't have to do works 
to be justified, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. You must believe on me. I'll save you. Don't believe on Moses. Forget about all these rules and regulations. Forget about circumcision. Forget about all these things. Just believe on me. I'll do enough before God to save you. When he preached that, they said, this is a hard word. Who can hear it? And they left him. You know how many people are there today that's like that? They are Christians. They believe in the name of Jesus. But when you preach the gospel, they're offended. So let's not put miracles in the wrong place. But let's take the truth of the gospel. Jesus said to them, You cannot hear my word, for you cannot hear my doctrine. You don't understand what I'm saying, for you don't want to hear what I'm saying. That's actually what he was saying. 